Welcome to 321 Go the Podcast. I'm John Pelkey. And I'm Carissa Galloway, and we're bringing you stories from start to finish to keep the everyday athlete motivated to keep moving towards the next finish. All right. For those of you who don't know and just stumbled upon this podcast by mistake, first of all, I'm sorry. And uh, Carissa and I, well, we're just two of the team of Run Disney announcers in the U.S. And one of our fellow announcers is my one of my closest friends, if not my closest friend, even though, you know, he moved away. And I think that was an attempt to get further away from me. But it's uh, it's everybody's hail fellow well-met corral man himself, Riley Claremont. And frankly, Carissa, I think we need to tell people more about the big man. I think we should. And before we do, though, two things I just want to say real quickly. One, I wrote that intro terribly, and you did a wonderful job of it. Um, Two, I like that I wrote in I'm sorry, and you said that as well. So you're a man of the people, too. But he is the man of the people, Riley Claremont. But what else is there to the layers of the big, lovable man down in the corrals? Well, today we present to you a bonus episode, the origin story, if you will, of Riley Claremont. That's my little Marvel nod, because I love the origin stories, and that's what we're going to do. <laughs> we're going to peel back the layers to find out what makes Riley, Riley. So if you're new to 321 Go or one of our beloved veteran listeners, thank you. Please subscribe. Uh, take your friend's phones, steal them, subscribe for them. That would be ideal. Share on social media. And if you have ideas for an episode, a chat, a history minute, email us at 321gopodcast at gmail.com. Yes, we want to give a special 321Go shout out to Sarah Akers with Runs on Magic. If you want to experience some extra special magic during those Run Disney weekends, or if you're looking to get away, and who isn't looking to get away on a cruise or anything else, Sarah Akers with Runs on Magic can help. That's right. You're going to get complimentary travel planning services, personalized itineraries, specializing in Run Disney Universal, cruise vacations, wherever you want to go. She's got you. Find her on Instagram at Runs on Magic. Give her that 321 go love. And you can go to runsonmagic.com. And let's do this. Joining us today, a member of our Run Disney announce team. He is a man of the people, effervescent gadfly, whatever you want to call him. He is an integral part to what we do and really has the opportunity to hear more of your inspirational stories than even Carissa and I, my good friend, fellow member of my wedding party, Riley Claremont. What's up, Riles? Hello, everybody. Hello, guys. Hello, Run Disney family. Good. Great to join you. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, where well, are you thanks. joining us from? We always ask people, where are you? I am uh, I am between Hendersonville, North Carolina and Mills River, North Carolina. So it's a it's a Hendersonville zip code, but it's it's we're so much closer to Mills River and that's where the kid goes to school. So I'll say Mills River, North Carolina, uh, between Hendersonville and Asheville. It's gorgeous. And by the kid, Riley means my godchild, Emery, who I have not seen in forever because Riley and his wife, post-COVID, hit the road, just got out of Orlando, said, that's it, we're bugging out of here, yep. and ended up in beautiful Western North Carolina, and we're all envious that you're there, though not envious that you actually have to drive home after uh, after a run Disney. And we have, to, we have to make sure he's safe. It's yes. very zen, you know, I mean, that eight and a half hours, I mean, by the time, by the time I get to Orlando... I'm like this. And by the time I get home, I'm all frazzled because it's just eight, eight and a half hours. I used to long stop drive. once or twice, but I don't stop long just simply for fuel. 
And, uh, and, you know, and so after eight and a half hours of just concentration, especially on 26 and I-95 <laughs> and then I-4, literally the three worst highways in the country, if not the world, I'm a little fried. But the journey, I get to listen to podcasts, you know, I get to focus, I get to be alone, <laughs> which is nice. <laughs> Um, but, but yeah, it's a, it's a small price to pay to still be a part of this great thing. We're about to get started, but I just want to make sure people are aware. Do you wear a diaper for the drive? Cause you said you only stop for fuel. So fuel and that. Okay. So it's not like the astronaut lady from, you know, a no, decade no, no, ago. No. Even though I'm a man of a certain age, for some reason on the road, you know, I'm, I don't have that compulsion. You know, I can, <laughs> I can literally can break it down into like either, you know, one or two gas stops. Well, this has started well, John, I think. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yep. Talking about Riley's. Riley's uh, regularity to the bathroom. Great, great, great <laughs> start, right. everybody. So let's, hey, let's, hey, welcome. Welcome. Let's talk about prostates. <laughs> I hope time? you're listening over breakfast. Yeah, that's right. What's the awareness <laughs> month? Is it November? Anyway, okay, so we're going we're gonna to rewind the wheels of time a little bit, Riley, because people know you, as John said, the man of the people, the guy getting the stories that's in, in it that wants to share everything. But let's go back because at our core, all of us have this role because we started – as a performer, we were at some point, you know, a Disney performer. So let's talk about how you got started as a, a performer. Uh, well, I mean, like the whole thing or? Yeah, yeah the whole no, thing. No, nope. This is it. Though. This is the origin brief story. Brief Take us through Coral Gables. I want to hear about Naples. We got to hear about the high school years. A different Give school us... every year. We don't, All of it. We can maybe All of it, skip Riley. some of that. My dad was a, a, a police officer in uh, Coral Gables, Florida, which is, uh, you know, a city right in the middle of Miami, Dade County. So he did that for 32 years. Uh, so that's part of my background. My mom uh, was a Southern housewife uh, who internalized everything. So on the dad's side, I had somebody who would blow up, uh, you know, for 30 seconds straight. And then five minutes later, wonder why everyone was shocked and frightened of him. Come on, what? I'm over it. It's all good. And on the other hand, I had a Southern woman uh, who would go sullen and just not talk to everybody for four days. So my wife and child, again, they're saints because they put up with that dynamic. And hopefully I've tamped that down. Is this Water why you relate Gables? to all the Run Disney stories so well? Because your upbringing, you, you had to, you had to navigate a lot. Man, and I told you, I laid out the whole school thing the other day, as far as you know, Saint Saint Teresa's for uh, for kindergarten. So we are going to do it, John. Part of Saint, you know, I won't go through all that, but yeah, like twelve <laughs> different schools in twelve years. Uh, anyway, performing uh, obviously was a, a way to fit in, and I was the narrator of Bambi in second grade, and from that point on, I pretty much knew that this is what I want to do for some strange reason. Um, so flash forward into high school, uh, I was lucky enough to go to a high school that did a lot of plays, even though my graduating class was literally like 98 kids. But our theater director there, or he was a history but a history teacher, but did tons of plays, loved that. Dave Hartley and his lovely wife, Darlene, she was the chorus teacher. We must have done six productions throughout the, throughout the year. So that led to me going to Flat Rock because my sister Lynn lived up here in Hendersonville and taught school at Rugby Middle School. Flat Rock Playhouse is the State Theater of North Carolina. At that point, it was just simply summer stock. Now it's pretty much year-round and, and a great regional theater. They do great work. Um, but I was the youngest apprentice in Flat Rock Playhouse's history. I was 16 when I got accepted. Uh, went there the summer of my junior year, senior year. Uh, went a total of eight summers um, throughout college. And uh, so that was really the springboard to everything professionally in, in theater. I uh, spent some time in playing in a band in Fort Walton Beach, Florida, up in the panhandle of Florida. That was two years. Uh, then went to New York, did that for a couple of years, um, and then ended up uh, moving out to Nebraska for love, <laughs> Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, and How'd that, that work out? Back, 
I didn't. <laughs> there were a couple of great years, but yeah, way too young for all that. And just, you know, yeah, not prepared. I was not prepared. Um, so moved back to Orlando because I had friends from Flat Rock that lived in Orlando. Uh, Mark and Paige uh, Warwick, Paige Posey and Mark Warwick, who worked at Disney. She was the company manager at that point at Flat Rock. He ended up moving back to Flat Rock to be with her. I ended up getting a gig at Universal Studios as Claude Hopper in the Wild West Stunt Show. And that moment changed my life because before that, I, I was it was rock bottom because I literally had to wait tables at Bennigan's on I Drive for about a year. I waited um, tables I at Bennigan's. Well, I wasn't. Well, I didn't even wait tables. I was a hostess at Bennigan's. Well, oh yeah, in wow. Tallahassee. Yeah, I had to wear the bling, and I got that gig because Mark was working there part time as a manager. Anyway, once I got the gig at Universal, from that point on, from 1992 until today, I am proud to say that I've done nothing for a living except all the things that you do, dancing for grandma, the voiceovers, the theater. Again, Orlando was such a great, great place to land at that point. John will attest to this, and Carissa, you can attest to it as well, because, you know, other than New York, uh, Los Angeles, there's no other place where you can make your bread and butter, your rent, and, and get benefits by performing every single day. And I'll never forget the conversations I had with some of my buddies up in New York saying, when are you coming back? How can you work at a theme park? And I'm like, brothers and sisters, it is not like it was in the 70s. We're not lip syncing and, and doing that up with people stuff. There's improv, there's stunt shows, there's good quality work going on that challenges, uh, challenges you every single day. And lucky enough uh, for John and I, um, we were you know caught up in that kind of first generation of theme park performers that was so much more diversified than uh, than what was done in the past and then that led to theater voiceover work some commercial work you know you name it as john famously says you know our resumes are an inch deep and a mile wide and i take uh, great great pride in that i'm also blessed last thing started monologue i'm also blessed to have a wife michelle who uh, was on the management side of things and still is and <laughs> sorry john uh, and she you know when you're married to a performer and if you're not a performer that can get rough. And uh, yeah, thankfully, you know, Michelle never, ever wanted me to uh, force me to grow up, quote unquote. Well, at least at least Michelle had it. She was she was a tech, as we affectionately call them. And she worked in production and stuff. So she had it. She had an idea. I'm married to an actress. So, a very you talented know, actress. both cancers and actors. So it can get colorful. It can get awfully colorful. Yeah. So I, I'm allowed a follow-up question here. John has John has thus written it this way. So you and Johnny both kind of came in the Universal door, but we're we're Disney. We're we're Team Disney. So as a kid, were you a Disney kid? Did you come to the parks? You weren't too far away. You know, did you grow up with a little Disney magic? Because as we know, Johnny grew up with very little magic. Uh, and, and we and we've paid the price for that lack of magic in John's life. But yes, my my childhood, despite the fact of what I laid out earlier, as far as the loud pop and the uh, very sullen uh, southern woman, when I mentioned Bambi in second grade, it was also on my birthday that we performed that. So second grade birthday, no one's saying squat about my birthday. No one's mentioning it, and I'm not saying anything. They're giving me love about Bambi, but there's not they're not giving me any birthday love. So I go to sleep that night, going, man, you know, did everybody just forget about my birthday? Well, that morning, the next morning, my sister used to work for Eastern Airlines, if you remember that airline back in the day. Um, the next morning, they woke me up, surprised me at like five o'clock in the morning, got dressed, got on a plane from Naples. That's right. I, we flew in a plane from Naples to Orlando and uh, through Lynn's connections with Eastern, hooked us up at the Polynesian. So that was my surprise. So it was, you know, finding out what my avocation was going to be one night and then the very next morning going to Disney. And this had to be what, like 72 
So if you saw pictures, my mom put me in slacks and a sports coat. It's ridiculous. Everybody is so dressed up to get on the plane, to go to Disney World. I mean, it was such a different world back then. But yes, totally Disney, watching uh, Wonderful World of Disney every Sunday night, going to the theme park for the first time. That's a seminal memory. So yes, I'm steeped in the Disney. I just have one more. I didn't realize. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, they could have like still gotten you a birthday cake and then surprised you the next day. They didn't need to go so hard. That's the kind of family I grew up in. Grace right, John? You could have said like, happy birthday. And then no, they'd no, have to. No, no, we're just going to, we're going to make this kid think we've all forgotten him. They, we're going to make this kid miserable for the night. And then we're going to make him very happy the next morning. Did you forget They break them? you down. Then they build you up again. That's how, that's how it works. That's it. Your dad's cop. You had that kind of military feel. Break them down. And- a cop and a, a coach. So Oof, yeah, all that. Explains. Yeah. So, so very much. Uh, now, now, and, and you, I didn't. Do you, do, you have, do you have sympathy for me now or? No, 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 none, no, none whatsoever. No, I've paid the price of, of of your upbringing as well. So I think I, I threatened think, to punch John in the nose on stage once. Yep, absolutely. During a horror makeup show, which leads to my next question. See, this is why <laughs> we're simpatico, synchronicity, all that sort of stuff. Um, before we jump even further into your run Disney career, and then we are going to get to talking about uh, wine and dine and everything this week. Uh, your other gigs, and I tried to think about this because Riles and I have been working together since I believe '92. Right? It's I believe you came to horror makeup uh, at Universal in 1992. You mentioned Claude at Wild Wild West. I just mentioned horror makeup. Can you remember all of the roles you played all those uh, years? Both characters in horror makeup, Claude Hopper at Wild West Stunt Show. Uh, I was Peck briefly. Um, and I think that's- That's a Ghostbusters reference for Ghostbusters. Yeah, for yeah people Peck and Ghostbusters uh, briefly. Um, and I think that's it as far as like the, the venue shows. But as you and I both know, the amount of special events- uh, that thing they used to do at Soundstage 33 that was a regular concern for about a year or so. I did that regularly. Um, but other than that, it was just, you know, doing local theater. I mean, that's where I met Michelle, at Theater Downtown. Uh, but that's pretty much all I can remember as far as, you know, uh, the venue-specific roles and then a ton, thankfully, of uh, special events and stuff. All right. And then uh, and then uh, your career then uh, from Horror Makeup on mirrors mine. I mean, we end up a lot of the same places uh, working together. Horror Makeup, obviously, we met started working together. I was at Ghostbusters as a Tully well, and a pack when you were came over and had a cup of coffee as a pack. But then uh, we, we all sort of move over to to Disney uh, or you and I, uh, the ESPN Club. We started the ESPN Club. Then we start doing stuff at the sports complex, and we both end up oddly at the Indiana Jones Epic Stunt Spectacular. The move over to Disney for you, what was that like? I mean, because I I know for me it was a it was a it was a bit of a shift from what I was used to. I'd always wanted to work there, but he gotten used to really the Universal experience. And for performers, particularly back then, they're very different. Uh, absolutely different. I mean, the main thing was just logistically, because I was going from working doubles, you know, I would work at horror makeup and then drive over and do uh, ESPN club. But then that just started to burn me out. I was giving so many shifts to Joe Candelora. Um, Hey Joe, shout out to Joe Candelora. Um, sure he's not listening. You know, <laughs> both places have treated us so well, uh, especially, you know, universal was just, I mean, I've got nothing but good things to say about universal, despite, you know, all the, some of the day-to-day stuff. ESPN Club was a different animal because it was such a good gig. We were doing such good work. I just feel like we were never trusted by, you know, some of the management. You know, it's that's like still true. You're interest. still not trusted by the management. I mean, yeah, <laughs> just kidding. Look, no, no. Look, the, the story of our lives is always going to be basically why the Writers Guild and why uh, SAG and After went on strike is that there's always going to be that fight between 
the money people and the creatives. And if we could just look, you know, all work together and say, baby, you know, we, 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 we were on an open mic at the ESPN club with shows every single day. And I don't think we ever once, and with no script, completely improv every single day. And I don't think we ever got a single complaint as far as going up to that Disney line and never crossing it. And that was our skill set. But for some reason, we could never convince some of the managers there that, look, we've got your best interest at heart. We care as much about the bottom line of this company as you do, because if you're not making money, we're not making money anyway. Um, so that was there was just a little bit of a culture shift as far as how the performers were viewed. And I think maybe we were uh, under extra suspicion because at that point, John, we were outside. We weren't cast members. We were independent contractors. And that led to a whole slew of things that we could devote a three hour show to. But we won't. I will say this. There was a, a one year where we would get a paycheck every three months. <laughs> there really is. We did have trouble getting paid for a while. It was pretty it was pretty wild. But uh, yeah, I, and I think, you know, I also think and, uh, you know, this it, uh, I enjoy working for the Disney company, but there weren't a lot of people then. And I, I, I think there's probably not a lot of people now who really, really understand sports and the uh, and the. Um, and how much impact sports have on people's lives. And uh, I think that's why we were, we were thought of, you know, there's such a, uh, a history of Disney and what it is that adding that into it for a lot of people was, was uncomfortable and they, they just didn't get it. Well, I think I can go this far to say this without offending anyone. We would make a point. I would make a point personally that every new manager we got, that I would always make a point in that initial conversation to say, Hey, by the way, all of us here, you, Mark, myself, we're all theater. We're all musical theater kids. We would much rather, I would much rather be on stage right now doing Fiddler or Oklahoma or something like that than, than talking sports, God knows, because I just wanted those folks. I think there were a lot of folks uh, in management that viewed us as jocks, as that, you know, as, as you know, all oh, these guys were probably my bullies back in high school. Clearly, they didn't know about either your, that. clearly they didn't know about either your nor my high school football resume. They would not have thought of us as jocks in yes, any way. Yes. I played football, but like I said, anytime that I had the opportunity to do a play over football, I would absolutely do that 100%. All right. Well, so I have a question, and, and it's kind of like an explanation, but we want to make it specific to you, Riley, because a lot of people ask us, well, how did you guys get involved in Run Disney? And it's all for us and even Tracy a little bit the same way because you guys were at ESPN Club. I was... You know, I was originally staffed at ESPN Wide World of Sports. And so when they were looking to expand the bench of race announcers, that was the bench they went to. Who are our sports hosts? Who are our sports announcers? Uh, for you, you know, you were primarily ESPN Club. Then you started to come over to Wide World of Sports. So how did you eventually get into Run Disney? What were those early years like for you? I was initially brought in, I think, just to do, you know, the, the half or the marathon. I wouldn't come in at all for the 5K or the 10K. Um, but I was brought in and I remember I would wear my ESPN hat, my ESPN bomber jacket, because, you know, that's what I was told I was representing was, you know, out in the way, way, you know, never anywhere near the stage, way, way, way out in the boondocks doing uh, interviews, you know, uh, and we didn't even start telling stories way, way back then. It was just simply, Hey, what's your goal? Blah, blah, blah. Have you trained? I mean, real, real quick hits. I remember they would started, they started to try to give me wardrobe and God loves you that. said, no. You said yeah, no, no to a I hat because because well, because on one hand, I kind of resented being asked to put on the costume when I'm not really part of the team. The other thing was just from a practical standpoint, I was literally being shot chest up 
So all the stuff that they would ever give me to put on, it's like, none of this is going to show up. I am way down at, you know, Corral J. It's freezing cold. I'm just going to wear, you know, what I'm wearing. So you're saying you weren't a team player back then. I I guess I wasn't. I guess I wasn't. But in my mind, at least. Sweet Seneca just bringing you the magic. And I'm only going to be shot from here up. I just, I don't, I don't, you know. In our defense. Uh, in your defense has been considerably upgraded <laughs> over the last few seasons and we we salute them we give them so much love and they deserve every bit of it back in the day you know wardrobe was a little different story so i would look at some of the stuff and go no no i'm not gonna wear that all right so, so i've got two notes question. two notes on the early years didn't you and i might be wrong here weren't you involved in being at the baseball stadium first or when did that part can and can you paint us that picture uh, would start out, and again, you know, now thankfully we're, you know, we're picked up at the hotel, driven over in a van, all that kind of stuff. It's very fancy. But back in the day, uh, I would have to drive myself and follow their, you know, their directions. And as we laughed about this weekend, we would get the note, oh yeah, just sweet talk your way past the Florida Highway Patrol. And there's probably some <laughs> that people a, that can sweet talk. Folks, their that's way a true statement. Past that is true, yeah. With this mug, no, no, I'm, yeah. I'm not. And and pointing out to people that none of us, uh, I, I don't think Chris, none of us were cast members, so we didn't even have a Disney ID. Still, you know, still I don't. No, nothing. Just sweet talking them about this. Anyway, so I would get there. I would go do my hit, a couple of hits, you know, go back to my car, try and you know, somehow find a way to get from that point over to uh, Champion Stadium or the ESPN Club Wide World of Sports. So all the traffic, all that nonsense. And then I would be in the stadium. And that's how I think uh, Tracy and I met was one time we were uh, paired together because we would sit there and, and uh, talk about the, you know, the athletes running through the stadium. There would be bands there, so that would be a lot of fun. But that's how it started. And then I would go over and do the Sunday football show at the ESPN Club. So I was triple dipping. It was great, but it was very, very exhausting. And I'm, I'm much, much happier now being an official part of the Run Disney team. Yeah, you know, and uh, the the next question that I wrote is really, really poorly written. So I'll throw that out there, and so you can you can hold that against me. I read it exactly as it's ask, written. I'm just kidding. I, I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, read, read it exactly. exactly. Don't try All to make right. it better. Even though yesterday when we were taping, John, I wrote the word "the" two times, and you did not say the word "the" two times. Well done, you. I you know I I did actually saw see that. I'd like to shout out to the band the the uh, <laughs> a favorite band of mine way back. In the day, I thought it was some sort no of doubt. sneaky reference. I thought it was a what, what, what do they call that? I thought uh, it was a uh, when they hide like a little clue in, Easter a, in a movie or something. Easter egg. Sure. There you go. Thank you for that. Uh, and by the way, you're that's continuing because you typed in a follow up. I have on as opposed to I have one. So your typing skills, Carissa, have, have deteriorated since uh, the wine and dine. And, and you, you may need to look daylight savings. I mean, I don't know about you, but my kids waking up too early. Down with daylight savings. Yeah, Michelle and I both got up this morning early, and then the kid was up at 6 a.m. Yeah, I don't like daylight savings time. No, No, I I went to bed at 9:45 last night. Yep, I went to bed at 9:45. I'm like, I'm so tired. It must be 11:30 and 9:45. So that's that's why. All right, here's my back. Our bodies a, a few days to readjust to a normal clock, and then you throw daylight savings time in the middle of that. And it's a nightmare. I don't know how we do it. We are literally no. we we have the toughest gigs on earth. Nobody has it worse than us. I think I think, I think it's, it's, true. Would, it's true. It's true. 
We can point that out. All right. Uh, so my, my question was about, you know, from those early years to what it's become today, uh, I was asking, did you have any idea? Well, that's a stupid question because, of course, we all didn't we didn't have any idea. But when you look back at that and I had that same experience that you did with driving in and talking through, you know, there were there were years when there was another host on stage with Carissa and I would I'd have to fight my way off property to try to get home. You know, and I remember getting home at like nine o'clock in the morning and just exhausted, and then knowing I had to get up and drive in at like 11.30 the next uh, uh, the next night, and everybody at home is like, oh, yeah, great, quit, quit your whining, Johnny. But yeah, but uh, you look at what it is today, and you're right, we, we, have a, we have a structure that we use right now, which, uh, again, there's a lot of improv, but we, we really do have something to, to, to hang our hat on as far as um, knowing where we're going next, which we didn't often do back in the past. Um, Again, I don't want to ask you if you, if you knew it could be something like this, but when you look at it today, how amazed are you? Again, because we've talked about sports didn't always get a lot of support in and around uh, Disney. Can it, look at today at what it's become and just marvel in it for a moment. Uh, I, I do marvel at it. I revel in it. Uh, and I'm again, I'm just so, so, so joyous that I'm, you know, any part of it. And I think I speak for all of us. We'll, we'll put out this caveat right off the bat. That we understand that if there's a crowd of 20,000 people or between 15 and 20,000 people, that maybe 5,000, if that, are listening or paying attention. At least that's what I always have in my mind, that we are a very, very small part of it. We are very, very humble about our role to play uh, within the Walt Disney, uh, within the Run Disney family. Uh, Having said that, though, the thing that amazes me and makes me feel so good about our situation is that you could literally chart from back in the day the reactions that we get, the contact that we get, the people that now reach out to me on social media, uh, that is the biggest difference that that I see. And I think that is foundational from the point that, you know, yes, management has embraced it. Run Disney now is a well-oiled machine. The things that they have to do uh, logistically are just amazing, and we're all in awe of them. Uh, and we can get more into that as we talk about the wine and dine. But this past wine and dine, I think you'd agree with me, I mean, it was basically flawless. I mean, such a good time right from the jump, the the vibe and the chemistry between us that translates to the crowd, the way that the crowd brings that love, that energy back to us. I am always stunned and amazed when we're slapping high fives and giving out sweaty hugs at the finish line, the amount of people that run by and say, thank you. And every time I'm like, man, no, thank you, because it is all about you. And I think that's something that we've learned. I think that's something that Run Disney as an entity, as an organization has learned, is that it is about the athlete. It is about the athlete. It is about the athlete. And all the color and the fun and the entertainment and the character stops, all of that is secondary to the athlete. That they are the most important. They're the ones that have to be featured because without them, what you know, there nothing else exists. Did I hit on anything with all that, or? Well, we'll see. We'll see what they say. I think I think so. And, and John and I have talked about this, and you even talked about it a little bit. Um, you know, everybody goes, "What was it like when you started?" And it was like, "Oh, well, you're going to announce a marathon. You get overtime. Oh, we overtime." And then you were saying, "I was doing three, you know, a triple shift. I was double dipping." And I think at some point, for me, earlier than you guys, it made a turn, and it wasn't like this is oh good, I'm going to make money that weekend. It was like I get to do this. I get to be a part of it. I can't wait to see the people. I can't wait for the. Feelings, because you know the emotions that the people give. 
we feel them too. And, and we don't, it's very rare in life that you get to experience the joy and the excitement. That's essentially what sports is. It's you, you're sitting down. You don't know what's going to transpire from a race or a game, but all you're hoping is to get to feel something, that kind of joy that you can't see coming. And that's kind of, uh, I think, what we get. So did I hit on what you were trying to hit on? Have we yeah, all hit I mean, on the same the thing. thing? I feel I feel so, you know, I don't mean to be a Pollyanna and be all corny, but by God, it's just the truth. And by the way, that's I noticed I slipped into that this week a lot. I said, by God, a lot. And I don't know where that came from. And I don't think it came from North Carolina. I hope not. Anyway, yes, it's gone from something where it's like, hey, I'm proud to be a part of this. And I'm, I'm being compensated at a level where I feel really good about that. That continues. So at the foundation of everything, just being a gig, I, I feel like we're well, well treated, well compensated. And who can ask for more than that? What puts it over the top is, as far as just this life Altering life-changing thing for us is what you just laid out, Chris. And I'm sure you said the same thing, John. When I listened to your episode with DW on the way home on I-95, C.C. Turner uh, texted that he was in tears on I-75. And I said, same on I-95. And the fact that there are two members of the Run Disney family on opposite interstates listening to DW and you guys and literally tearing up. Because it's so moving. And that is a metaphor for the entire experience. When you see the transformations of some of these folks physically from how they looked five or 10 years ago to how they look and how they're living now, that's amazing. When you're able to share their stories, the woman who ran uh, seven days removed from a double mastectomy. Well, she couldn't run. She walked, but she showed up and she did the whole weekend, did the whole weekend. Uh, the, the, The older lady who was running, I believe, the 10K. And then the very next day she was going in. For hip it was the half. It, w- it was yeah, the, half. the so half. Yeah, because I, I took a picture with her. And she had a little uh, Winnie the Pooh crop top on. I mean, yes, right? And she was so happy to be getting that new I mean, hip. nobody's asking me what my favorite moment is of the weekend. Maybe we'll get to that. But that was so because I just thought, oh, my God, she's taking the old hip out for one last. It's like she had a convertible, and now she had to buy a minivan. And it's like, you know what? I'm going to take that old convertible out for one more half marathon. And I saw her at the finish line, and she looked happy, smiling. And the next day... Uh, Monday, she's going in to have a hip replacement. So I'm constantly amazed at the human spirit. Uh, When the worm turned for me, and I forget how many years ago it was, but it happened very organically. And I remember feeling, I felt a little on the spot, like going, am I doing something wrong? Because it was like two or three pretty epically harrowing stories in a row. And we had not started really doing that. And I think the the third one in a row was a woman, I can see her face, and I forget the specifics of her story, but she had just lost someone. She'd lost a close friend that she was supposed to do the race with. And at one point, she was just overcome, and she literally, I'll never forget, I mean, she didn't just hug me. Her, Her face and head hit my chest. She needed me to stay on her feet because she was getting so upset. And that was such a pure, humane, human moment. And when I came off, the feeling wasn't, you know, I didn't get this pushback that I half expected of like, Riley, Riley, we can't, we can't have any more of this. This is supposed to be fun. This is supposed to be uplifting. We're supposed to be getting people up. There wasn't any of that. Everyone was moved. And I will give, jumping ahead, I'll give uh, our uh, older show director, Matthew Hamill, uh, credit for the fact that when we came back from COVID, again, I was prepared for, hey, let's not talk about it. You know, let's let's pretend it didn't happen. Let's just, you know, rejoin this thing in a fun way. We don't want to remind everyone of the catharsis that we've all just been through. Matthew, to his credit, was like, no, feature it. Let's talk about it. And from that point on, again, I think we've been leading up to it. But when Matthew gave us carte blanche to share the stories, like I like to say, 
whether they're happy or harrowing or harrowing or something in between, you can talk about it all and it doesn't matter as long as it's real and authentic. That to me is the best thing about my experience with Run Disney is that we get to be real and honest and authentic about the experiences that the athletes are having. And you do a great job of that. Just a fantastic job. Because it's not, we'll get into this, it's not an easy job um, to be out there in the crowd. John and I had both done it before. We kind of got the structure we've been in for a while. And it's it's definitely not, you know, an easy job. But I want to talk a little bit about your routines. People ask us a lot, what's our weekend routine, our morning routine. So for you on a race weekend, what's your race morning routine and then post-race routine like? Uh, I I, used to, I set the alarm for an hour before we're supposed to get up. So 1230. Boggling, mind-boggling um, to me. I don't know. I just like to, I, I don't want to be rushed. So, you know, I'll take a shower, you know, get all he does, the, folks, you know, he doesn't like to be rushed, just so you he know. And last minute changes. Rushed. Don't, don't do, do it. No, yeah. no. Or I have to go back and get my phone. <laughs> anyway, we can talk about that. And again, thank you, Chris and John, for being so patient. Uh, but that's pretty much it. So just get dressed, get ready, you know, go out, wait for the van and then do the gig. And then post race, it's back to the room and basically, you know, uh, collapsing for a while. Uh, I'll go grab something to eat. Uh, I like to sit out by the pool. I don't get in the pool yet. Uh, maybe I'll do that uh, in future dates as I continue to uh, lose more weight myself. Um, but I'll sit out there and read for a while, just get some uh, some sunshine, some natural light. Uh, <laughs> then I just love going back to the room and watching sports or watching a movie. And then I usually crash again or get in bed, uh, you know, probably no later than seven. You Are know? you eating? And that's, that's pretty much it. Do you eat? Do you eat oh, food? Oh, yeah, of course. Oh. Well, let me ask you this question because people always ask us this, and we talk. We've talked about the time management thing. Do you generally find it better to catch a nap or to fight through and get yourself to around seven o'clock so you'll drop? Because part of the problem with going to bed at seven o'clock, if you've had a two-hour nap, is now your body's like, "Well, I don't need to sleep." Um, I've kind of managed that. I can do the the nap and move on. Do you do you choose to do? I don't know if this is even interesting to anybody, but <laughs> but honestly, it is the Does single most. Nap. Just, yeah, yeah no, parts. Uh, whatever happens, you know, whatever happens organically. In other words, I go back to the room, get a little bit of nosh, you know, lay in bed, you know, put on the news or put on sports or whatever. And if I naturally fall asleep, then I'm good with that. And then I'll wake up. You know, you, usually my body clock is, you know, down for maybe an hour, hour and 15 minutes back up and then do some stuff during the day. But then I always like to put myself back in bed, you know, whether I'm sleeping or not, you know, by 6.30, 7 o'clock. So that I can drift off if that's what happens. And usually by 7.30 or 8 o'clock, if I'm not asleep, that's when I turn everything off and put on the sound machine and then just force myself to at least doze. And I'm sure you guys have had plenty of nights like that where you don't sleep. You just nope. doze for a few hours and then it's time to get up. And wake then you have the one night minutes. where you like wake up. Oh, God, what is it? Where are we? What time is it? What have I done? Where am I? <laughs> what am I supposed to be doing? You know, at least the and comfort I, I have. Also, what I've noticed the last few times is that that first night, I get a little heartachy about being away from Emery and Michelle, uh, but especially Emery. And now that Emery can text, I think I showed you a couple of things where she's sending me, yep. you know, th this little, uh, you know, gif of, uh, of uh, Stitch, you know, just in tears. And she's like, please come home, daddy. And of course, oh. you know, it just breaks my heart. So but, you say uh, gif. Yeah, so, so I have to deal with that burden as well. <laughs> so you go with gif. Huh? You're going it's with gif. It's not a gif. Is it not a gif. It's a gif in your, in your. I, I, I don't I know. It was officially GIF. I, well, I, I don't know. I, I, Jay. I thought it was I don't know. Whatever, well, I'll go with consensus. No, I don't know either. I just, well, and I'm a rule follower, so I just want to well, know. Someone, I want to know what I'm supposed to say. And I'm already so bad about like social media and everything. People make fun of me that I still have an AOL uh, uh, email address. Which is mine. It's been mine for a long time. I have another one, but it's don't, been mine for a long Riley, time. Doesn't Riley, though? 
No, no, no. I've got Gmail, okay. but I still, I, I'm still rocking Dell Genius because yeah. that's a tribute. To well, now everyone can email friends. you, Riley. You've just given out your email to the world. The, the delicate, delicate genius. genius. There's a number attached to it. Okay, yeah, that's Del right. Genius was, that's right. Was, I, was I want to say maybe genius. it is Jeff, John. I think he. Okay, might be. I, you know, I've heard both, and I did. I don't know, and you know, I, and 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 Riley's much. He's got a young daughter. He's much more up on these sort of things than me, and I just want to make sure I'm not making uh, making a mistake. Uh, it, and we, we we talked a little about your driving back and forth too. I think you do something really really smart on your Monday. Is that you leave like really early generally? Because people who don't know, driving home, you have to massage getting through areas like Jacksonville when you're not hitting them during rush hour. Well, I hit Jacksonville during rush hour uh, uh, Monday, and for some reason, Waze always takes me on the 295 uh, Beltway, you know, and yep. for some reason it said, no, state, go straight. And mm. I did, and it wasn't terrible, but I got yeah. I should have gotten off on 295. Um, no, you, Monday morning, I usually, like this past time as an example, uh, I think I woke up at 445. And I'm like, I'm up. Let's go. And so yeah. I was on the road by 5:30, and then I'm home by two o'clock. I can pick him up at school. Um, the first time I did that, I made a, a special point of getting back to North Carolina in time to pick him up at school. And she was in kindergarten at the time, and I'll never forget it, and I'll never let her forget it uh, because she saw me and she walked right past me, like she was like she was taking it out on me that I'd been gone. So there I am, just exhausted, you know, waiting for this tearful, oh man, when she sees me, she's going to be like. Daddy, and it was completely the opposite. She just looked at me with with just fury and indifference, and just walked past me to the car. And that's uh, when you realize the last few times she's been much more, uh, you know. Yeah, that's when you realize she she has a little of your mom's DNA. She was that southern <laughs> woman holding you. She was she she was holding a grudge because. <gasps> yeah. he, you had upset her, so there yep. you go. It's exactly it's all that. about the DNA, folks. Trust me, it's all about the DNA. All right, let's let's move on to costumes because it is the question we brought it up with you. There there was a, there a period of time where you were not a team player and you he would shunned. not wear the costumes. He pushed them away. That's right, to shun, to push away the costumes. <laughs> but now we've all embraced it because the costuming of it has become really like a big part of what we do. Um, do you have a favorite? Or a most memorable, maybe not because of your favorite, maybe because it's difficult to put together. Uh, was, was there something that a costume you remember that you loved? I always say my onesie was my favorite because it was the easy. I could put it on. You know, sometimes you have several set pieces and it takes a while. That one's zip the puppy up. Let's go. Do you have a favorite? You know, lately for the last, you know, since we've been back after COVID, uh, it's hard to pick a favorite because they've all been so good. They've all been so well made. Um, the attention to detail is just, it's stunning to me, uh, the work that they do. Uh, I think there's somebody who's always in charge of hats. They've become spectacular. The thing that always leaps out and you have, and it's back to a different era, uh, back when you guys were on stage with, with a different person, but the Mulan, uh, where we were all dressed as, you know, the, uh, why can't I think, you know, the Shogun Warriors, um, that sticks out we had the shoulder pads and I mean, it was just very, it was so well done. I mean, that was a, that was a, a, a real step ahead from the era of wardrobe back then. And that always is the first one that leaps out as I never, I'll never forget the Mulan wardrobe because I thought we all looked so cool. So that's the one that sticks out. But like I said, everything since we've been back uh, since COVID, I mean, Buzz Lightyear, Mike was out. I mean, all of them. It's just, you know, I, I can't, it's hard to have a favorite because they're all so good. I have a favorite of yours. Do you know what I'm yeah. going to say? No, no, Sam no Eagle. Oh, I felt God, you yes. embodied yeah. it. I mean, yeah. it was you. Like yeah. you yes. were Sam. Like, It'll be a moral race. I know. Yeah, it was amazing. It'll be a moral I, I really. Race as it should be for America. 
Oh, that's a good yeah, one. that was so much fun. I'm so glad you brought that up. And and then that was yeah, and that 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 wardrobe was like you know moss to a flame. In other words, I had people approaching me wanting to talk on camera for the first time in a long time simply because they wanted to get a picture with Sam Eagle. Yeah, that was spectacular. Sam Eagle was good. He could he could he could be welcome back at any time. All right, you do spend more time uh, talking with the athletes and doing interviews. You and Tracy are both you know we in with the people in the corrals. That's what we say. So for people that are wondering, how do you choose who to interview? How does that process work? Uh, when I first walk out there, I literally yell because I'm usually at, at uh, Corral C and I'm literally yelling, uh, you know, does anybody have a cause, a charity uh, that they want to bring attention to? Does anybody have a reason, a reason, personal or otherwise, that they'd like to share with a run Disney family? You know, pretty much the same spiel I give, you know, every run Disney race, which is if you've got a story to tell, we want to tell them. Um, that early in the morning, sometimes it'll just be people, you know, hanging out by the corral on the bicycle racks. And if they're dressed, you know, in a certain wardrobe that I want to feature, I'll pick them. If they make the mistake of making eye contact with me, uh, I will I will go to them if nobody else has approached me. But I've been very, very heartened. The amount of people who want to share their story, who who come to me, seek me out. And, and this is a little bit uh, divergent from what we're talking about. But because we're out there, uh, you know, I have been able to here single-handedly the difference in response especially to you guys from way back in the day when it would be like here comes john and carissa you know crickets I mean, well, no no it was never as bad as that but there was if where's was the other guy here, just kidding well no you know i mean yeah, very very little of that back in the day um but uh but there was that you know because it was just it was a different product you know maybe we were we had a different energy um, and it wasn't, it just wasn't that big a deal. So when we talk about the fact that, you know, I know you guys are barely paying attention. There was a little bit of that vibe for the last, you know, pre COVID and especially since COVID, when you guys are introduced, there is a pause. There is a palpable reaction that makes myself feel much more welcome at home. I know that it has the same impact on Tracy where you just feel like, okay, you know, some of these folks are actually digging what we're doing. We're not just a distraction. We're actually maybe helping them get through their morning and get prepared for the race. And Carissa, you know this and John as well. Anytime Jeff Galloway shows up, there is a physical reaction. You can feel it. It's not just something that I'm concocting or conjuring. It's something that's real. And I feel it. And hopefully it translates all the way to the stage. But whenever he shows his mug on camera, and starts talking, there is a feeling of warmth. And I think the whole Run Disney family vibe kind of sprang out of that. He's 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 the he's our patriarch. He's our run Disney. <laughs> he, yep. he attention is, must be paid, and it is actually yes. when Jeff gives that. Thing, uh, so. Do you have maybe one or two favorite sort of interview interactions that you could share? I know there's, there's a lot, and it's always it's always hard to remember. But do you have some that stand out? And if they're from this um, weekend, we'll save them. We'll get to the from the wine and dine weekend. But do you have any ones that like? You know, you tell it a story in North Carolina. Uh, one that the, the, the first thing that pops into my mind, and I forget what the guy's name was, and, I, and I'm sure I have it on. By the way, folks, on my iPhone and notes, and I've shown people this. I mean, I have just reams of just names and because I'm just terrible with names, names and something that would identify this person. So I'm sure if I took the time to look at that, I could find his name. Anyway, this gentleman, because uh, we've talked about we spend so much time focusing on the first timers. And there are a ton of people who did it the first time. It didn't work out for them. And for this gentleman specifically, he did the half uh, and got swept. And he was so humiliated, which I was like, what do you don't be humiliated. You you attempted it. You showed up. It didn't work out the way you wanted it to. But there's no reason for you to take that on yourself. But he did. 
And he showed up the next year, the year I talked to him. He's like, last year I got swept. This year, by God, I'm, that's not going to happen. And I remember all of us seeing him at the finish line. And I was lucky enough to be out there and remembered his name and talked him across the finish line as far as, you know, this was a gentleman who tried it last year, got swept, you know, felt bad about it. He's carried that with him this entire year. And now look at him. He just crossed the finish line. He got that off his back. He has redefined who he is, not only for himself, for his family, but the entire Run Disney family. And the fact that we get to spend any time sharing, celebrating those moments. You know, I don't think any of us would do it for free, but there's that feeling in the back of your head where you're like, you know what, we, when we, when I say that it's an honor and a privilege to be a part of this whole thing because of the athletes and because of their stories, that's what we're talking about. And we mean it 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just because you're welcome, it doesn't mean your job has to suck. I mean, that's kind of thing. Our job but does not. It's connection, you know, who, right. who has that in their professional life? Where they're compensated well, they're treated well, and also the gig, the heart of the gig is getting to share and experience these moments with the athletes every single race, every single month, every single year. You're absolutely right, Riley. We do have one of the best jobs out there, and I know John and I are both glad that we get to do it with you. And if you guys are listening when this comes out, we are going to get to do it for some of you four mornings in a row at the 2024 Dopey Challenge. So thank you, Riley, for joining us. Thank you guys for listening. And if you are listening to this live, January 3rd is the last day to sign up for Healthier You and get a 20-minute nutrition consult, video consult with me, your favorite registered dietitian. So go to GallowayCourse.com to sign up. And of course, our January class of Healthier You will be signing up all month long. So make sure you join if you want to take control of your nutrition this year. Go to GallowayCourse.com to find out. Thank you guys for listening and we'll see you real soon. Hello.